and welcome to Comic Talkers for Comics is always the top of our discussion. My name is Brandon. And I'm Mary. And today we are continuing on with Shazam Month with another book club. Like we said, we have two book clubs that are coming out this month. Um, you've already heard one, which is The Power of Shazam, or Shazam Power of Hope. Um, now you're going to hear our second one. So Mary, why don't you introduce us to what we're covering today? So this isn't technically a Shazam story, but he does feature very heavily in it. Um, so we are looking at Justice League of America World Without Grownups. Um, this is generally more of a young justice story. Um, however, the plot does very much hinge on Captain Marvel. Yes. Um, yeah. For those of you, and it's going to take us a while to get to him, but it's definitely worth it once we get. Yes. Now, just to give you a synopsis of the story really quickly. Uh, when everyone is over the age of 16 suddenly disappears from the face of the earth, the world is thrown into an upheaval of adolescent amusement and chaos. But when the initial Europe, or I'm going to really say Europa, oh gosh, I can't ever pronounce that word right. Anyway, wears off and the dark reality of the situation sets in, Superboy, Robin, and Impulse must figure out what happened to half the population while simultaneously attempting to maintain order in a world of unrestrained children. Featuring Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern, this book is an amusing portrayal of the grave consequences of an existence devoid of grown-ups. Um, this is a two-issue story, um, very fast read, um, written by Todd DeZago and with art by hum Humberto Ramos, Todd N Nanook, and Mike McCone. Um, if you guys feel like this story might be similar to, there are adaptations and animation stories. Um, just like the animate series does adapt this story, um, but it's a little different because Shazam's not part of it and they make the heroes kids. So they make Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, and um, I think it's Flat, or Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, and Green Lantern, all kids. Um, and they did it in the Young Justice cartoon as well. Um, but yeah, we can jump right into issue one, and I know like the first few pages are going to be pretty fast. Um, this issue starts off with Robin, he takes on a common thug, um, but as the thug gets a better of him, Batman steps in and chases him down. This is These few scenes alone really shows you how the parents or like the main heroes to their sidekicks really treat them, or how they feel they're being treated. Robin's kind of, in this case... What's a good way to put it, Mary? Like he's kind of feeling left out there a little bit that he did all the work. He feels uh, not trusted, yeah. I think is really, uh, because he even says, I'm fine. I wrote this guy this far. And then he's not allowed to finish that sentence even. Yeah. And then Batman does his normal takeoff, um, trying to chase down the thug as he escapes. Um, we turn to Superboy. And Superboy is fighting this big old robot in or in Metropolis. What happens is, though, he does get the better of him, throws him down. But the problem is, is that he allows it to hit or pretty much makes the robot crash to this building. Well, somebody's there to let him know that that's not the responsibilities of being a hero. And, of course, it's Mr. Lex Luthor. I hate this design of Lex Luthor. I'm not going to lie. It pisses me off every time I see him. I didn't immediately. Of course, like I've read the story, so I knew it was Lex, but I was like, who's that weird bald guy? I was like, this doesn't, doesn't look immediately strike me as being Lex Luthor. <laughs> now, 
of course, he's trying to sit there and tell him the fact being that you can't just leave this, that superheroes have to clean up their own mess, pretty much. And he's pretty much, Superboy's trying to avoid the problem, but here's Superman standing right behind him. And, and what I love is Superman says this, as bad a taste as it is, as it leaves in your in your mouth, Luther's right. As heroes, we're obligated to set a good example to do the right thing. Um, and take responsibility for our actions. And he pretty much offers him to help, but of course, Superboy is all bummed out because he's trying to go off and do his own thing. I'm going to turn the blank over to Mary because I know this is one of her favorite characters that shows up next, Bart Allen. Uh, Bart Allen, it's not just Bart, it's also Max Mercury, who is his mentor. Um, so it takes us now to Manchester, Alabama. So we're not really even in the Gem Cities right now. We're looking entirely at Bart as a civilian which is always an adventure. <laughs> um, if you haven't read the Impulse series, please do. It's a delight. Um, and Bart has been sent to his room, um, has not been staying there, has been speeding around the house, basically causing a scene because the microwave is taking too long to pop his popcorn. And... Max keeps trying to send him out to study so that he can get his homework done. Bart's not listening. Um, Max goes to check on him. Bart is reading through a book of unexplained phenomenon and is hunting for a chupacabra. Finds what looks like a mongoose. Um, it's probably supposed to be a raccoon, but it looks like a mongoose. <laughs> in Puerto Rico. Um, Max finds him, brings him home makes him do homework. <laughs> Bart is having a rough go. What happens when you're raised in a video game, I guess. Now, um, we do turn to a birthday party of a kid that we don't really know tons about. His name's Matt Stewart. Uh, Matthew is a little sore that his dad's not there for another birthday of his. But as he says this, here comes Matthew's dad through the door. He tell, he's telling his mom that he's pretty disappointed. Like, he's pissed off that his dad's not around, of course, and always. And now, Matthew, of course, still pissed off because his dad didn't almost didn't make it to again. Let's his dad know how he feels. But his dad does bring a gift. Now, he states that they found this item during a dig. Now, mind you, his dad's an archaeologist. And they... Think it is a toy that belonged to an Atlantean boy, but they could not confirm that. They he gives this to the boy or Matthew, and he runs away pissed off. I, I'm just gonna say this right now: that is such a bad parent. If you don't know what you're giving your son, why would you give something to him? And on top of it, uh, Mary, a good point too. Also, um, yeah. So this, in fact, makes Matt's dad not an archaeologist, but a looter which is an international crime. <laughs> um, because I don't know if you'll know this, but archaeology is not like Indiana Jones. And you don't just get to take things home with you. They have to be meticulously cataloged and put into very large collections. <laughs> also, Atlantis is a living culture, which means that the artifacts should have stayed with them yes. per the standards of archaeology and this is america so american archaeology standards of the 90s when this comic was written <laughs> but, you know whatever uh sure dc so Plot armor i guess yeah <laughs> it, it works for the story um <laughs> yeah. now 
of course, the kid is not impressed with the toy, takes the toy up to his room. And I say toy, and even in my notes, I have it quoted. Um, but he notices something is happening. Of course, wanting to know what it is, what's in there, he smashes it open and releases the villain, Bedlam. Now, we kind of go through a little bit about what Bedlam is um, and what pretty much what he's doing. So we kind of see like this little trip going on with Matthew that as he's getting possessed <clears throat> by Bedlam. Now, he drowns in a pretty much this is what it states. He drowns in the dark purple energy, immersed in the thick liquid light. He is I er, assaulted. Sorry, my apologies. I was sitting there reading that really bad. Um, with the rush of ancient images, scenes from prehistory, visions of the time that time has forgotten. A mad malefic, there we go, malefic sorcerer conjuring before an earth well summons to him a power only allowed to it crumbling tombs only whispered of it of in the darkest shadows a powder a power that feeds on dreams and on wishes the power to reshape the world the power of a god but while the power is near infinite the vessel is still but a man his evil campaign is challenged by another sorcerer his brother the mad one's treachery and hatred blinds him and limits his imagination this allows his sibling to purge the energies from the vile mage and into a tiny crystal chamber. There it is impressed and kept secreted or secreted from the memory of man for all time until now. Power of a God. Then this is from Matthew. And he's looking himself in the mirror. Power of a God changed the world. Cool. Well, we'll just see what the world would be like if I was in charge. Yeah, we'll just see. And you see his eyes start glowing purple. Now, I'm going to turn the mic over to Mary to kind of explain what's going on next. Yeah, so after this, we see, well, it cuts scenes to the home of Jack Drake, who is, of course, Tim Drake's father. Um, and the maid is sort of knocking on Tim's door, asking him what he wants for breakfast and looks in. He's already up and gone. We see lots and lots of parents trying to check on their kids in the morning only to discover that all of the children have just disappeared. Um, and back in Manchester, Alabama, Max is pacing around the floor to the point that it says at that speed, your pacing really will wear a hole in the carpet. <laughs> and he's he's pissed he thinks that Bart has run away and then they turn on the news to discover that every child all over the planet is just gone and then we cut scene to the Justice League who all feel helpless they it, are confused they don't know what's going on they don't know how to help it, and of course some of them have their relatives their sidekicks their family missing what was it that's why i said there this scene alone really kind of just shows you how it shows you who has mentors or people underneath them and who doesn't during this scene because you see rainer kind of or um, kyle rainer for anybody who does not know is green lantern after the events of Hal jordan turning into parallax um kind of cracks a joke about the whole and Wally's not having it. <laughs> Wally's not. Um, and then you see Plastic Man kind of making fun of him too. Um, 
which by the way, you'll never see me say Plastic Man is one of my favorite characters. He's probably one of the most annoying characters in my eyes. Listen, um, my favorite thing about Plastic Man is that he refuses to call Kyle pretty much anything other than Baba Louie, and that's that's about it. That's where my love of Plastic Man is. <laughs> but um Yeah, so pretty much we go kind of go on as Aquaman starts to talk with Martian Manhunter during this. And Pretty much, they, he kind of confirms that we don't have a clue what's going on, everything like that. But Martian Manhunter says something interesting. It's just a matter of knowing where to look. And he goes, but what of the children abducted from their beds in the dead of night, spirited away without a protection protection, and security of their parents? Truly the stuff of nightmares. Wherever those children might be, Arthur, they are undoubtedly consumed with terror but we turn to the next page and you see these kids are just going crazy um the kid uh, it even tells us that the kids had a few minutes of terror <laughs> yeah um oh where where is it on average the kids's reaction to the missing adults runs about 7.9 minutes of fear and or loss followed by roughly 3.4 minutes of mild disorientation and then suddenly the clouds lift, their eyes open, seemingly for the first time, each child comes to the realization that the shackles are off. Yeah, it, the weird one you see a little kid with a chainsaw. In it just, and he's got the, um, Jason. the mask. Yeah. The Jason mask. Now, we turn to this little kid, of course, they're, or what was it? They're up on a, what was it, on top of a roof telling him, hey, jump, you know, you can fly. And they have given this umbrella to help him fly. Of course, the kid starts to doubt um now you might not think this scene is important but it is because there is a hero that comes and saves the day after this kid decides to jump and that is mary marvel Woo. so tell the fans for a little bit who might not know who mary marvel is who is she yeah so mary marvel i mean even the comic says um years ago she was granted wondrous powers by the enigmatic wizard shazam with the intention that she used those powers to fight for justice against the evils of the world and she is billy batson's sister um depending on continuity um how exactly they are siblings changes mm -hmm. um so in the New 52 origin, she is a foster sister, um, whereas in the original origin, she is his actual biological sister who they were separated and she's being raised by a different family. Right. Uh, complicated comic stuff, you know, the huge. Um, Mary's super cool. I love her. Um, if you listen to our Flash Museum episode, not Flash Museum, Shazam Museum episode, um, you will hear me talk a little bit about... Um, how I can't pick between her and Freddie for my favorite uh, Marvel family member. Um, she's super, super fun. Um, but she pretty much is another avatar of the Wizard Shazam. Right. Now, we state here that, you know, what was it? That she, along, along with her brother, Billy, one of Earth's Mightiest Mortals, today, however, she feels more like Earth's Mightiest Babysitter. Now, we turn to scenes where other young sidekicks are stepping up to the plate. So it does start out with um, Sissy King-Jones, more commonly known as Arrowette. This is, of course, before the arc where she quits heroism, mm -hmm. um, which, fantastic character arc. Um, she is a legacy hero of the original Arrowette from Silver Age Green Arrow, who only have like three appearances. Uh, anyway, Bonnie King sucks. Sissy's <laughs> cool, though. Um, highly recommend reading about Sissy. Um, then we see Wonder Girl, 
um, halting a wayward minivan that's flipped over onto its side because children are attempting to drive. Um, no. We see Inferno. We see just so many different members of the Teen Titans. And I'm pretty sure he's not named, but I'm like 99% sure at the bottom of page 52 that that is Freddie Freeman. That's exactly who I thought. Yeah, um, he's not named, but it looks like him. It's the typical blue costume that looks exactly like Marty and Billy's. Because um, they're all color-coded. <laughs> and then the other one at the bottom. And Spoiler is rescuing um, a child who went boating in Gotham Harbor. She doesn't look happy. <laughs> now, here's the funniest one that we see. Oh my god, yeah. No. So at Ferris Aircraft, we have a child trying to fashion themselves into a Tom Cruise from Top Gun um, in a fighter jet. And he has to get stopped by Superboy. <laughs> um, we see children letting all of the animals out of the zoo. We see Tim stopping a child from shooting up an arcade. <laughs> Um, and Bart dealing with all of the animals. And of course, there's a gorilla here, which is where it's making us go, Gorilla Grodd. Um, and we'll come back to that in a few. <laughs> um, they're, they're having it rough. <laughs> um, because honestly, at this point in time, there really aren't that many heroes under the age of 16. Yeah, like I like I hate to say it, but like Mary Marvel's kind of pushing it at some points too, because isn't yeah, she? She's yeah, she's like fifteen. She's yeah. like on the cusp of turning sixteen at this point in comics. Yeah, so that's why I was like, when I saw her, I was like, I thought she was kind of more of an adult, and I know that's more of New Fifty Two that they've kind of adult her up a little bit more. Yeah, they aged her up in New Fifty Two, which is a, I mean, refreshing compared to how female characters are usually their ages changed. Yeah. But I don't know. It was still weird to see her that much older than Billy. Now, this is where things get interesting. Of course, Superboy does say the little kid with the air um, that was flying the airplane. You could just tell that he is just not having it. He, he this kid is just like freaking out. He passes out after he puts him down. I think I'm gonna need to lie down for yeah. a little bit. <laughs> now, this is where we see Bart come to Superboy. Now, this is where they're starting to work together to understand what's happening um because that's they're not only joined by barb they're also joined by tim drake aka robin um, and again we we still have not seen billy <laughs> it's coming though we are going to get to the point so they're trying to understand everything that's going on why are the parent where are the parents everything like that and you know bart i swear is <laughs> i would i'd feel like tim at points where it's just like stop bart knock it off because it's him one of my favorite scenes is he's running around the bike robin's bike he can't help it <laughs> don't he's be i just love how superboy just calls him don't be a dope <laughs> if all the adults are gone then so is the jla and they've realized start realizing that even their heroes are gone now these guys are the heroes of this world now at this point and 
And if they're gone, we're all there is pretty much is what Robin states. And of course, Bart trying to wonder what's going on and everything like that. They decided to go back to the Batcave. Now, they're trying to run analytics, trying to understand everything that's going on. Of course, you got Tim to do that. Probably best Robin still to this very day. Um, and he states the following. Nothing but snow. The computer's set to continue scanning for broad for any broadcast signal. But I wouldn't count on it. All communication systems, everything, are shut down. There are no adults to keep things running unless we do something fast. Soon we'll be out of food, water, and electricity. I'll try to establish contact with the Justice League Watchtower, even if they're not there. Maybe their computer can give us a clue why. Then you see him, going, Bart, going around the Pat Cave, investigating everything. This is one of my favorite they scenes. They still. don't get to go in there. Yeah. He goes, <laughs> Bart's looking at Robin's costume original. And he goes, how come you keep an old costume in a glass case like this? Does it smell funny or something? I'm just yelling at him, get away from there. And, and of course, that is Jason Todd's Robin costume. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I forgot. Uh, yeah, because Tim was the first one to really change the costume, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. So, um, so that's Jason's costume. That's the memorial to Jason within the Batcave. Yes. Now, we, now the thing is, is they're still not getting any response whatsoever. And, According to the computer, there is no watchtower. Now, not all hope is all lost because all of a sudden they start hearing the signal. This is where we finally get to see or hear from a hero that we've been waiting for, Billy Batson, a.k.a. Captain Marvel. Because lest we forget, Billy is employed. (laughs) Yes. Now, (laughs) it states, Fawcett City, you know, where pandemonium in streets and it's i'm not even gonna do the anymore but 10 year old boy slammed a tractor trailer into a neighboring ball through it's like it's very very shaky but Fawcett city i'm alone here and wondering anybody's listening if there's any but any hope where is the justice league and we see billy batson come up on the screen now course superboy and bart don't know who he is oh tim just, does but yes because you see tim is starting to investigate what's happening tim yeah. even says we have a thought bubble for him that says batson yeah now mind you why it's so fun to see that is because even batman and nightwing themselves have even admitted that tim almost rivals batman's detective skills he is up on par with that. Plus two, he does work with Batman a lot. So at this point, he's going to know what Batman knows. Now, we turn back to the JLA. This is where I find things funny as we see President Bill Clinton show. This just shows you the age of this comic. In the time. Yeah. <laughs> I always forget that Clinton's in this comic. <laughs> now, of course, Clinton's trying to get a message from the team. What's going on? What's their investigations leading to? And of course, Superman's up there right now with pretty much no answers whatsoever. He, he is just as clueless as anybody else. And he does state this to um, Clinton or President Clinton that do, doing everything we can, Mr. President, whoever is responsible for this has covered their tracks well. 
I'm sorry I can't give you a more re optimistic report, but unfortunately, or what was it? And then you see Bill Clinton kind of come up and he says, unfortunately, I have nothing to offer but hope. An occurrence of this nature is entirely out of my realm of expertise. The UN has no protocols or actions to take to take should half the population what simply vanish from the face of the earth. Please keep me posted on the progress you're doing. So, of course, they're talking about what's all happening. Now, not only this, but Batman's also listening into this. Now, at this point in time, if I'm not mistaken, Batman did somewhat part ways with the team. I believe this does take place, if I'm not, correct me if I'm wrong, this does take place after the events of Tower of Babel. You know, um, that is a great question. Um, I have not actually read 90s DC comics that were not Green Arrow in a very long time. Yeah, that's if, <laughs> I, if I'm not mistaken, because Batman is part, at this point in time, not really a part of the Justice League. Or he seems to have a strenuous or strenuous connection with them. Very, very, very light connection with them. Um, for anybody who does not know Tower of Babel, this is pretty much when Batman had all the contingency plans made up against all the Justice League members. In the case that something happens, Rajal Ghul does take the plans and actually almost kills every single Justice League member in the process of doing his master plan. Now, at this point in time, he has all this stuff. He's listening into this as well, what Clinton's telling the world or telling the Justice League. And he starts to investigate everything. Now, at this point in time, we do turn back to Matt. Now, I'm going to turn the mic over to Mary to kind of explain. Yes. Um, so when we first see Matt, we see DC brand Playboy magazines. I saw that we, too. <laughs> we see a Coke machine. We see fast food and pizza flying all around him. We see all, pretty much anything a 13-year-old boy go what would my parents not let me have in my bedroom and then it's there yeah. and says the imagination of a 13 year old kid brought to life albeit with a roiling bruise colored tinge so that's that like purpley color that we see permeating around bedlam mm -hmm. and then with his giant nameless benefactor sitting nearby in silent attendance the boy who was once Matthew Stewart boggles at the possibilities of this power he now wields and utters his first words as a god, which are, this is sweet. <laughs> and now what we really see here is Matt trying to use these powers and then Bedlam not letting him. So we we see Bedlam more as a parasite rather than a benefactor. He is using Matt as a host through which to enact his will rather than Matt using Bedlam's powers for his own gain. Um, it's kind of like that. Uh, when I first read this, I thought of that virus that and that fungus that affects ant colonies. Mm -hmm. Um. That was what Bedlam made me think of. <laughs> the, the the more interesting though scene that we see in this is that Matthew looks like he's coming back. 
a little bit he seems to be fighting it but at the same time bedlam does take back over and pretty much makes him realize and to do his will now this is where we turned back to impulse robin and superboy and they come across Wiz studios now here this is where i find it awkward it looks like billy batson's literally either standing in front of the table or he was hiding behind now of course you know they're of course superboy and impulse don't know why they're there but they're going okay we need to what's going on or why was it so important that we come here and here stands up or looks at billy and of course robin sitting there knowing i know who you are pretty much pretty much goes up to him and says hey we need to talk or we need you know and yeah it's it, it's one of these favorite things and i'm going to turn it over to mary to kind of finish up this first issue a little bit yeah so first of all billy calls impulse kid flash um <laughs> which common mistake <laughs> even even bart says i get that a lot um and Tim pulls Billy aside to talk to him, kind of knowing, based off of his knowledge of both Bart and Khan, that um they will entertain themselves while he does whatever it is he does. <laughs> and Billy says, I mean, there's nothing that I can do. And so I was like, actually, I was hoping there's some, there was, was something you could do, or more specifically, something you could say. I know who you are and we could really use your help. And we start to see Billy have this like existential crisis. <laughs> um, due to the very nature of his powers, he is a child, but when he says the word Shazam, he becomes Captain Marvel, who is undoubtedly an adult man. Right. He is very much straddling this line and he is very concerned that because all of the adults are missing that if he says the word shazam he has no idea what's going to happen if he becomes a grown-up what happens to the grown-ups where are they what if they're all dead and tim kind of we don't really see what tim says he just says i don't think that and there's a bunch of little squiggly dots um, that don't give us any words but we also see Barton Khan going, what do you think they're talking about? Hmm, oh, probably you. Um, because you know it's Barton Khan. Yeah. <laughs> um and then there's a National Weather Service satellite going crazy with a huge weather anomaly over Happy Harbor, Rhode Island. Which is, of course, one of those quintessential DC locations. <laughs> If I'm not mistaken, this was the first headquarters for the Justice League. This yes. Was, yes. Now that was the very first location for them. Um, now we turn back to the adults. Of course, Batman's calling into the Justice League and letting him know what he has found. Now, he states the following. Carbon dating, various samples of everything from all around the Batcave, only to discover that it was all the same age, roughly 17 hours or 17 hours old. Everything down to the minest detail, everything about this Earth is a simu or simulation, a replica designed to maintain the illusion that is business as usual. But the truth is, the kids weren't abducted. We were. 
And of course, all the heroes are kind of wondering, what are you talking about? Everything like that. And he goes, but Kyle is the one that kind of states, hey, that's right. I forgot that the Titans will be there to restore some order. And they've got Robin. And of course, Superboy goes, Superboy, you know, they got Wonder Girls. Well, but then you see Flash start breaking out. <laughs> this is like the funniest reaction. And he goes, Walkman looks at him and goes, Wally, what is it? He goes, Bart. They've got they've Bart. got Bart. Now, I think I think this is one of those things too, where like people have this conception that Wally hates Bart, which isn't true. It's that Wally is a grumpy old man on the inside, and he hasn't have a lot of patience for Bart. Yeah. It's not that he hates him; it's that he's cranky. And just his face alone makes me laugh. He's sitting there biting his lip. Everything like they got Bart. Um, and yeah. I th- it's also funny too and I've made mention of this a few times previously on the podcast but there Bart is not how do I put this nicely because I do love Bart so much um very few heroes especially ones over the age of 16 have a lot of patience for Bart Allen <laughs> um and Wally probably cares the most. I mean, of course, Wally is the one who freezes inertia into that statue that goes into the Flash Museum after he kills Bart. But it's (laughs) everything about the way that they treat Bart in this comic makes me laugh so hard because they do get him. It's just, yeah, he doesn't get social cues. Yeah, he never stops talking. No, he cannot sit still. Um... And it's not that he's not smart. It's that he doesn't know how to apply what he knows. (laughs) And it's awesome. Um, It's just, I always, it's very funny watching other people react to Bart and the fact that he exists. (laughs) I never never get tired of it. (laughs) Now, we do turn back to the uh, to the kid heroes, of course, Young Justice, as Billy Billy pretty much tells him there's nothing he can do for him at this point. He's afraid of doing this because he doesn't know where this will lead him. And so, of course, the heroes go decide to go. Hey, we're going to go to this anomaly. We're going to go to where this is all happening. Um, so they do have Superboy fly him down or fly Robin down. Of course, Impulse just speeds himself over, and they come across what to me makes me feel like I'm reading Doom Patrol. Now, they come across this little wave leading up to this little castle. Now, here's the thing. They automatically start falling down the cliff. There's a little mudslide that happens, or a little rock slide, and pretty much almost makes them fall to their death. So whoever is there watching does not want them there at this point in time. Now, how we end this issue is we turn back to Billy. Now... I'm going to kind of state what he says because I think it's actually really good and it kind of shows you what's about to happen. And he goes, oh man, I must look like a a chicken. I almost said child there. I was like, yeah, you kind of are a child. Um, Robin probably thinks I'm letting my fear of the unknown keep me from becoming Captain Marvel. When I just might be our only hope, the old wizard gave me the power to to be Captain Marvel so that I could help people do what's right in my duty, my responsibility. And we could use some help right now. Robin's right. I can't just sit here hoping for a better idea. I've got to try. Come on, Billy. You can do it. Even if you are a little scared, just say the magic word. Say Shazam. And then he says Sha, and then that ends the issue. 
Now we will go into issue two. So Mary, I'll have you start off what starts off issue. So two. here's where we see Billy finish that magic word. Yes. Um, and this is such a great piece of text about Billy that I'm going to finish it. Um, mm -hmm. Since his name is Billy Batson, years ago, upon meeting an ancient wizard in a cave, he was granted the ability to transform himself into the mightiest mortal on Earth, to fight for justice and goodness as the invincible Captain Marvel. All the young boy needed to do to trigger the magical transformation was to utter the old man's name, Shazam. That usually did the trick. However, today, that ain't happening. Billy has instead whisked into space. Um, but as Billy Batson, he is not appearing as Captain Marvel. But what he does see are two identical Earths joined together with a purplish lightning magical energy field. Because <laughs> while I might not be Captain Marvel, but I'm still Billy Batson and I've got some power. That means I gotta help out any way I can. All I gotta do is get this information to the right people, and we see him begin to head towards one of the Earths. Now, we turn back at this point to Superboy Impulse and Robin, and they're still holding on for dear life. Um, like we said the last issue, they do um, almost fall to their deaths, um, but just saved. Now, leave it to Bart to start screwing things up. Now, let me explain. It's, you know, Impulse, of course, says it's like the trees and rocks suddenly come to life and decided to get all mad at us all at the same time. And Robin states, Impulse, can you do anything? And he says, not while I'm hanging on to him and you're hanging on to me. And he goes, I need some traction. Well, somebody do something. These branches are out. And he goes, Robin kind of continues on. He says, I'm trying, Superboy. Can't get a line out. I need a clear shot and the trees are blocking Hey, do you notice this is just like Nazi dinosaurs from Venus? And he goes, Yeah, Bart, Bart's a video game kid, but he is also a kid that read an entire library. <laughs> yeah. He contains multitudes. It's just usually he leans into the video game side. And of course, they're still wondering what's going on. He, and they keep on questioning, Why are you bringing this up? He goes, You know, the video game, Nazi dinosaurs from Venus. Um, it's got trees like this and hidden pits and acid snow and these huge Nazi. And then all of a sudden you see dinosaurs and then there's a dinosaur looking right down at them. Now, of course, they do get up. That's the looking that Robin was looking for. Was able to get grasped onto his one of his teeth or his tonsil, actually, um, and swings them up. Now they are able to easily defeat this dinosaur. Um, and... So they kind of start talking about what's going on because they come up across this cave. It's interesting because it's all these, what I love here too, is you get to see Captain Carrot as a stand-in. Now that's something dear to my heart. I love my Captain Carrot anytime I see him. Now, they notice that this wasn't here before. And he go, Robin kind of mentions, I have a funny feeling we're about to find out just how good a team we are. Funny, like, you know, what was it? 
it kind of goes on. So now we turn back to Matthew. So I'm going to turn the mic over to Mary to kind of start going on. What's uh, so what we see and deep within that very grotto where we find the misguided and malicious miscreant responsible for the current state of the world is a young boy recently known as Matthew Stewart, who is now called Bedlam. Um, so we really are seeing that Matthew is just completely losing himself. Mm -hmm. um, Matthew really no longer exists, but for his body being the host for Bedlam. And he says, and to think I didn't even want this. I wanted to play Tendo for my birthday, and instead Dad gave me the stupid toy he found in his latest dig. I mean, I thought it was stupid until I broke it open. And you came out and gave me the power to make whatever I think of come true. And anything I imagine, I get. And he turns himself into an astronaut. Because the world's whatever I want it to be. And the first things to go were the no-fun grown-ups. Let them have their no-fun world and their stupid rules. This world is kid world, and kid world is fun world. And all I had to do to do it was to borrow the mind of the most powerful child of all. And the longer it stays this way, the more that people believe in what I've done, the more powerful I become until soon I'll truly have the power of a god. And he starts to want to play video games. And then we see Bedlam's power really shoot out of him. He is drooling. He's glowing entirely purple. He's wrapped up in this purple field of energy. He says, no, I have no time for video games. I have entire worlds at my fingertips. I, and then we see Matt fight back again. He says, I, I, want, I want to play. This was supposed to be fun. And then we see Bedlam take control once more. And he says, yes, of course, you're right. Plenty of time for play once these three annoyances are dealt with. Right. Now, we turn back to adult world. At this point in time, what's happening is Just League, of course, is still trying to get answers of what's happening. But they're met with somebody that just entered their world, Billy Batson. Now, Billy Batson's still a kid here. Um, so he is the only kid on adult world right now letting him know what's going on and green lantern automatically puts him in a cage <laughs> okay. now of course martian manhunter is the one to break it up telling him hey remove this cage this is billy batson and and of course he's questioning who's billy batson and he goes excuse us please billy what are you doing here and more maybe more important where is captain marvel and he goes and Pretty much, he kind of goes off a little bit about what's going on on this other Earth. That pretty much all these here or all the kid heroes are pretty much coming out to save the day, but they're trying to figure it out as well. Now, Martian Manhunter mentions two to him, and yet you were transported here, but not transformed into Captain Marvel. And he goes, yeah, that's weird. I said the magic word. I came to the adult world. So why didn't I become Cap? If I'm Billy Batson here, then where is Captain Marvel? And he continues on. He says, anyway, I was between the two worlds. I could see them both connected by the strange purple energy that looked like it was coming from someplace on the East Coast. The guys were going there to check it out, someplace called Happy Harbor. Now, of course, they're questioning what's going on here. And not so much questioning what's going on, but they start questioning Happy Harbor and he, you know, of course, leave it a plastic man goes, sounds like a retirement home. Um, anyway, but that's not the point. But all the heroes spring into action because everybody, of course, Billy's asking, what does this mean? 
So all the heroes start heading over to Happy Harbor. Now, we turn back to Superboy, Impulse, and Robin. And Mary, you want to kind of talk about what's happening? Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> um, so it starts off with Khan saying, hey, you guys, is it just me? Or are we, like, not getting any closer? <laughs> um, And so they're essentially on one of those walkways at, like, an airport where they're stuck. Um, and they're just not making any progress. And then they sort of, there's an entire placeholder Justice League that looks suspiciously like the Looney Tunes um, that just bursts through with a gangway coming through. This will be served. And Bart says, I think I, think I did that. I mean, my thoughts, because I was just thinking about the Justice League and cartoons. <laughs> Which gets Tim to start wondering if are they reading our thoughts? Gon says, Oh, that's just great. Someone who can alter reality and read your mind. We're gonna get so spanked. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says, Someone with that kind of power, we're done. I mean, that's like imagine your worst possible villain, and then Here they are pretty well exploded. However, they're transported. Um, and Khan is transported to essentially like a warehouse situation where he has to fight a robot made out of kryptonite. Bart is transported to, um, I believe it's called Gorilla Island, um, which is where Gorilla Grodd lives. Um, and Tim has to face a kid version of the Joker in a scene straight out of Silence of the Lambs. Uh, by the way, too, with uh, impulses are against Grodd, he thinks, oh, you're just a baby, you know, and all of a sudden he grows to his adult form. <laughs> and Bart just starts taking off. He's just, I'm not dealing with this. Now, here's where things get a little interesting because they start seeing, uh, during the conversation between Robin and Joker, he kind of figures out that's all I have to do, isn't it? I mean, I'm making this. There's someone else, somebody else who's making it real, but it's my thoughts that kind of wrote the rules. So all I have to do is to think of doing, and he makes a portal, switches spots, because at this point, he Superboy's fighting Metallo in a kryptonite body. So, of course, Superboy's getting his butt blood. Now, he switches, Robin sticks his hand through his portal, goes to Superboy, and switches spots with him. Just, hey, tag me. Yeah. Now, Robin comes in to fight Metal, and of course, he is victorious at this point. And Superboy um, does the same exact thing to Impulse. Now, Impulse is standing on top of a little flagpole or a little radio tower at the top of it while Grodd's pretty much waking himself up. Now, pretty much. Connor goes, tag me in as well. And here comes Grodd all the way to the top with Superboy literally sitting there in a crouched position waiting for him and knocks him all the way down. Now, they all meet back up on this trail. Of course, they say, hey, we took care of this. But <laughs> this is the funniest one. It's, it takes them a minute to realize who they left Bart with. Yeah, and Bart's with the Joker making him go even more insane. <laughs> 
Uh, because Bart is just asking why repeatedly he is every preschool teacher's worst nightmare and favorite student. <laughs> he goes, Joker just sitting there going, make him stop. I can't take this anymore. I can't. I won't. And here comes Robin's hand through the portal again, whipping Bart away. Now, he states, okay, that was interesting. Now, why don't we find out who this bedlam creep is? Now, we turn back to the Justice League at Happy Harbor. Now, as they're looking, they do notice something weird. It looks like a portal coming from the sand. Now, of course, all of them start going at it, wondering what is this, what's going on. But they do notice Billy is the first one to say it's magic and I can feel it. And this is a good way. I know we talk about this in our battle that's coming up, too, is the fact being that Billy... And Captain Marvel, even though Captain Marvel is the one to show the powers, Billy does still have a connection to the magic using or the magic field a little bit more. Now, of course, they're all he goes and it's not pretty much Billy tells him it's not good. And I know where, it, you know, and it knows we're here. So, of course, all the Just League starts tearing them apart, tearing this island, this little area apart, trying to figure out what's going on. This is where we're going to see a lot of back and forth between Young Justice and Justice League at this point. So, yeah. So, I mean, what we're seeing with them is they finally get in to Bedlam's domain within Kid Wolf. Mm -hmm. And there's the old Justice League of America logo. <laughs> um, and he says, that's stupid. <laughs> um, a shield that's <laughs> and tim says it looks the same but i don't remember the cave being laid out like this we were here with Bosch. i mean where did all these extra passageways come from and khan says it's from bedlam mm -hmm. and they end up finding a screen with a projected image of the original Justice League, or it's either a screen or just a giant mural. It's probably a screen. Um, and Tim and Connor focusing on, oh, could we ever be that? And Bart's just staring at Barry Allen and he says, Grandpa? And then they have to force him to come with them because he's caught up in his little hero worship moment of the grandfather he really hasn't had a chance to meet yet now at this point too what i want to make clear too is the uh, the screen that they're looking at is jla year one and this is the yes. original team that starts it flash which is wally west martian manhunter black canary um green lantern hal jordan and aquaman which i'm not gonna lie i i, I like that a little bit because it's not batman superman wonder woman that come into this it's just those five heroes. I wish it was better written. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I agree. But now, uh, but I don't mind the team up at all. Yeah, no. Uh, now we go back to the heroes on, on Adult World. Now, all of them are pretty much tearing this island apart, but they start noticing Billy's gone. Now, Flash finally finds him as he goes to this little tunnel that they start noticing this little magic coming from. Now, Billy's in there, he's looking at it, and Wally doesn't know what's going on until he gets there and sees what now the Justice League sees at this point. It's Captain Marvel in a suspended state. Now, 
Of course, Martian Manhunter is trying to get a get through to him telepathically, but cannot. And what's happening is, is that he goes now with Billy here. There is a pop, you know, pretty much I can use um, Billy to reach Captain Tele or Technic or technically the same, or since they're this technically the same person, um, that they can use a psychonic conduit pretty much at this point with Billy. Now, Billy gives him permission. Of course, he's figuring out what's going on. This is where it states the following. As John Jones, Martian Manhunter, uses his telepathic abilities to link the young Billy Bats into the canatonic mind of, the adult, of his adult alter ego, memories unfold to see to them, blossoming like a flower. As an unaware Captain Marvel is returning from an exhausting adventure, is stuck and enveloped in a violent, violet energy. In executing the creation of a separate world and an identical world, the omnipotent Bedlam required a nexus through which to focus his magics, an unwitting instrument with which to give form to this new reality, an ingenuous idea or that or to give shape to this new world, a dreamer to a dream to dream the dream. Through the mightiest mortal on the planet, Captain Marvel's mind is still that of Billy Batson, his dreams and fantasies though of a 13-year-old boy. What better template than for the juvenile godling to use than the bright imagination of the most childlike of adults who just happens to have the wisdom of Solomon. And once the link is broken, Martian Manhunter reveals, it would appear, my friends, that we face an interesting dilemma. Our yet unknown adversary has through magical means the powers of a god and is responsible for the spell that now binds Captain Marvel. As Batman surmised, before the Earth is not our own, but the more terrifying truth is that that, re that this reality is being fueled by the good Captain's imagination. The world we now inhabit is Captain Marvel's dream. Steve, we told you why he plays a significant part in this story, didn't we, Mary? Huh? We told him. Give it a and I, I think the most tragic part about this is that it's not really Billy's dream. Yeah. He's doing and hero. I really wish we had gotten more follow-up after this of Billy's guilt. Mm -hmm. Um, But we don't. And I'm sad about it. Now, at this point, this is where we see that, you know, they're going to have to pretty much if Captain Marvel is taking away, there is a possibility that they might no longer exist. Now, that's why of course, they're trying to wonder what's happening. But then at this point, we do turn back to the Young Justice. So now they are actually encountering our villain. Yes. So where they're now actually encountering Matt, powered by Bedlam. Says, I am Bedlam, although I'm getting used to the name God. And that should be true any minute now, as more and more people, kids and grownups alike, continue to accept this reality I've created. Just by believing, they're making me invincible. I know that you're here to stop me, and sorry, I'm going to have to crush you. You're being such adults about this. <laughs> and we see this become a battle of imaginations. Um, so he, we also see him begin to use how the three of them would attack each other against them. So 
Robin would take down Superboy with a robot made of kryptonite. Superboy would destroy Impulse by completely chaining him down in a medieval torture device. <laughs> and Impulse would take over Bart, not the over Bart, take over Tim with ninjas. Um, and Tim is struggling uh, because his thoughts are going a lot slower. Um, he is still getting hits from the ninja. And he realizes that if we clear our thoughts, then maybe the stuff will go away. <laughs> so Han and Tim are able to do that. Bart, not so much. Because when he thinks of nothing, so yeah. many things show up. Because he can't think of nothing. Um, and Tim makes a snide comment. He says, tell me again, he's supposed to be on our side right yeah and then we go back to the justice league now the justice league is at this point wondering what's happening or kind of pretty much trying to come to terms with what's happening now somebody joins him and it is batman now he comes in this is what i love the fact is this is he goes it's not a matter of waking him up because that's what they're fearing right now is they wake him up they might not exist but but he continues on and says, but of what you're willing to believe. And of course, Big Barter kind of goes, who? And then he looks, Wally's face is just like, makes me laugh so hard because he goes, who else? And here comes Batman down the cave. Now, he states the following. Although it's Captain Marvel's imagination that's maintaining this reality, the details of the dream were planted by someone else. Theoretically, if we were to link our minds via John's telepathy, Applying our own combined imaginations to influence Marvel's dream. We can merge the two separate realities back together. And he go, it would just be a matter of believing enough. And of course, when they're asking if this is going to work or not, and Batman goes, either that or we can inadvertently erase this reality and all of us would suddenly cease to exist. Plastic Man looking at him and goes, he's joking, right? Tell me he's not joking. Kyle goes, he never jokes. This is real. Now we turn back to Young Justice. Yeah. So when we turn back to Young Justice, um, Matt is using all of Bart's thoughts against them. Um, but then we see Bart start to think of Max Mercury and the lessons he's been learning from Max. And he says, think, slow down and think, slow down and think, just have to clear my thoughts. I can do this. Tim and Bart are trying to get Tim and Khan, um, they're just all the same character to me at this point. <laughs> uh, in the narrative, um, Tim and Khan are trying to get Bart to fight with them. And Khan says, yeah, Bart. And this isn't like your stupid video games. And that that gets gives Bart a thought. So he just keeps resetting Bedlam. Over. And over and over again. He's essentially using the exact same tactic he used on the Joker yeah. on Bedlam, and it's working. And the more Bart does it, the less belief there is. The less powerful Bedlam becomes, and the easier it is for Matt to gain control over himself again. And I love that little panel where we see all the heroes 
fade back into their reality because once Matt gets back control, it, Bedlam's world that he just created is no longer happening. And here comes all the heroes. They're in JLA's headquarters right now at this point or at Happy Harbor, and you just see them finally come back. And they're all exci excited. Of course, um, Matt does go... Um, pretty much is put under surveillance at this point. Just make sure what's going on to find out what this potential threat was. Uh, I have to admit um, that scene did make me uncomfortable because there are, it A is very reminiscent of a um, David Holler comic from X-Men from X, um, New Mutants 2009. That's just, it leads to really bad things, mm -hmm. but it also makes me think of what happened to Grant Emerson where um powers that he had absolutely no control over happened mm -hmm. to him that caused a lot of destruction and he was essentially forced into a prison or forced hero work um choice and makes me very sad um now of course batman mentions that oracle reports that everything is back to normal the entire justice league was stumped now this is why i want to bring this up because this is like the first time you really see like batman just got outshined by his protege or his little team outshined him now he looks at robin and goes you and your friends did a fine job robin and he goes um thanks yeah thanks and he goes come along it's a long drive back to gotham of course bart and connor are sitting there what's going on hey where are you going kind of thing and you know, he's got to go, pretty much he states. Now, Batman stopped him in this cave. And Robin questions him, why are you stopping? He goes, Robin, Tim, you Superboy and Impulse do an excellent job back there. And, and I'm proud of you. And what? And he goes, I'll see you back in Gotham. Tim runs back to Impulse and Connor. Um, and, of course, he kind of mentions, hey, you know, Batman said I could stick around for, and you want to know something? You two think we did pretty good out there, that we acted like a team, worked well together, that maybe someday we actually could take over the, for the Justice or JLA. Well, let me tell you something. As the Junior Justice League, we seriously rock. And, you know, of course, with a little practice, we could do some great things. Impulse, of course, saying, all right. Connor saying, okay, yeah, I'm down for this, but we need to come up with a better name than Junior Justice League. Um, and But something's interesting happened. Now, we see Red Tornado. Um, again, do you want to kind of, I know we talked about him in 52 a little bit, but do you want to kind of explain what Red Tornado is? Um, so Red Tornado is the, one of the robotic creations of Dr. Morrow. Mm -hmm um most of them were evil red tornado is pretty fine most of the time um and he essentially becomes what i affectionately refer to as the mother hen of young justice um of course this is adapted into the animated series which i don't like um but it's also very prevalent in the 1990s and 2000s young justice comics um where he is essentially their adult supervision and they don't really listen to him, but they do love him. <laughs> but he does ignite, um, or he does turn back on, and that's when it goes, the end, question mark. 
but this does end this issue and it does end our book club um i what was it i have to admit this was actually the very first time i've ever read this comic i've watched the shows of course it's based really? and this was something when you came across this and or you told me hey let's do this i was like okay let's 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 tune in um Mary pitched two great comics for this month and got me to one. She made me cry and one, she made me laugh. So now Listen, I got to have a little bit of both. Yeah. And Captain Marvel's good for that. <laughs> yes. it, it, so again, this is JLA world without grownups. Um, you could buy it digitally. You could buy it at comic book stores. Please support your local comic book store as much as you can. Um, thank you for listening to this podcast. You can find Mary and I on comic talkers anywhere on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at comic talkers to join in on the conversation and let us know what you think about this story. Also let us know what you think about Billy Batson. Let us know in the comments, give us some recommendations. How do you like the young justice storyline? Let us know. Um, you can also listen to the podcast anywhere on anchor, Spotify, Google podcasts, Apple podcasts, and YouTube. Um, and for great comic book and anime content. And without further ado, my name is Brandon. And I'm Mary. And may comics always be the top of your discussion.